It's interesting how, yeah, food has kind of remained relevant, I guess, in this new career, which is not something I had, I hadn't really thought about it. I, didn't, I wasn't fully aware of how, how much um, of a sort of bonding activity that was in the fire brigade. Today on Dirty Linen, we are going to start a little bit of a, a sub theme that I'm going to touch on from time to time uh, because it's something I'm really interested in. What it is, is chefs and other hospitality workers and players who are not doing the the predicted, the projected, the normal kind of career path. People who've left the industry to do something else, people who've taken a slightly different path. And when I thought about doing this little sub-series, the first person that I knew I wanted to have on the show as part of it is Pierre Rulofs. Pierre... Uh, until a couple of years ago, was one of Australia's most celebrated and respected pastry chefs, uh, known for his work at fine dining restaurants and for his dessert evenings, uh, a a series of pop-ups that he did in many different places, uh, presenting his really particular spin on desserts for an adoring public. But Pierre uh, moved away from pastry a couple of years ago before the pandemic and has made a life that's quite different for himself. Pierre, welcome to Dirty Linen. Hi, Danny. Yeah, thanks for those kind words. That brings back memories hearing you um, uh, talk about my um, past career. So, yeah, thank you to to you for some of those (laughs) kind words. Thank you. Oh, no worries. Well, I mean, I've enjoyed your cooking or your creating for a long time, I think since I first encountered you at Interlude with Robin Wickens, like, I mean, in the early noughties. Uh, But tell us what profession you have taken up more recently. Uh, So, yeah, since February 2020, um, I've been a firefighter. I became a firefighter um, then. And, uh, yeah, it's been an amazing um, journey for me. And, yeah, I've really been enjoying it. Yeah, it was um, it was definitely time for a change. Um, I've been cooking since I was 16. Um, so it was over 25 years in kitchens. And, um, yeah, I just got to the point where I was feeling burnt out and um, felt like I'd given all that I could give and that I was, um, yeah, I was after a change. Yeah, it's so interesting. I feel like, you know, looking back on your career from my perspective, you'd been searching for quite a while for a different way to do desserts, like not only a different way to create something on a plate, but a different way to construct life as a pastry chef. Can you sort of talk me through that, that the thinking around that and perhaps, you know, lead us into the decision, you know, that perhaps that's, that wasn't working for you. And so you had to do something that was quite different. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, I started, yeah, I started cooking when I was um, 16. Um, I left school in year 10. Um, Yeah. Started cooking at at um, the age of 16 and just really fell in love with it um, and, uh, yeah, made a real career of it. And I, I, I pretty much gave everything to my career as a pastry chef. I, um, I travelled the world. I worked really, really hard, um, worked in some really, really good kitchens um, and just worked crazy hours. And, um, yeah, that was really fun and exciting um, in my 20s and I was really passionate about it and, um I didn't think twice about the hours that I was working and um, what I was doing, um, uh, working in kitchens like that and how much energy it was costing me. Um, so sort of in my early 30s, I got to the point where I wanted to try and stay in the industry but do it in a much more sustainable way for me. Um, 
yeah, I just felt like I was getting close to being burnt out at that stage, and that's sort of where the dessert evenings um, came about. What well, what is feeling like you're being? What does burnout or on the edge of burnout feel like for you? Uh, for me, just the realization that I was living a really one dimensional life. I was working, you know, eighty to ninety hour weeks. Um, I was spending my days off uh, either doing my laundry, washing my whites, um, getting ready for the next week. Um, buying a couple of cookbooks um, to stay sort of up to date with what was happening um, and then spending a lot of time in bed just sleeping um, on my couple of days off and then going back and doing it again. Um, and so, yeah, just sort of realising that wasn't giving me um, the life that I wanted anymore and it was, yeah, all pretty one-dimensional, hanging out with hospitality people, talking about the industry, um, following the industry really closely and just not having any time um, to do other things. Uh, yeah, which made me start to resent um, the profession that I was chosen and I didn't want to, didn't want to, um, I didn't want to resent the industry and I didn't want to get cynical about the industry. So um, I figured, yeah, um, yeah, I may as well try and find a new way of um, working in the industry that was a bit more sustainable for me and that gave me time and energy for other things in my life as well. And so when you did the dessert nights, I mean, they sort of worked in seasons. You popped up at different, often at cafes that weren't being used at night time so you could take them over and you presented these four or five course dessert degustations that, I mean, they they seem to be very popular and, and you could really express your creativity. I mean, well, that's from my point of view. What was it like for you? Yeah, for me, um, yeah, they were an amazing, it was an amazing time and I'm really, really grateful um, for the dessert innings and how successful they were. They, um, they sort of gave me the recognition that I craved at that stage. Um, uh, it was an amazing way to, um, uh, to express my creativity and um, to connect with an audience that, that loved what I did. Um, it was a way to live a more sustainable life and work less hours. Um, it wasn't a way to get rich and it wasn't a way to make a lot of money, um, but it was a, I, I made enough from the dessert evenings by being, um, yeah, I was really careful with how I ran them. Um, my overheads were always super, super low. That was why we chose... Um, to pop up in other people's spaces. So I didn't have that sort of pressure of um, paying a, um, committing to a lease and paying that sort of, that sort of money. Um, so yeah, it gave me a lot of freedom and it gave me the ability to continue being a pastry chef and expressing myself um, uh, without uh, having the pressure of um, having to make a lot of money to, um, to pay overheads. So yeah, it was an awesome time um, and I, I loved it. Uh, and then I guess, yeah, like with anything, there was also the pressure to um, to stay relevant, um, to remind the public that I was still there because, yeah, because it was um, it was quite a niche business. Um, so it relied heavily on, um, I guess, marketing and, um, yeah, reminding the um, public, the dining public about what I was doing. Um, and, yeah, just competing against... Um, the trends that always pass through hospitality and there's always the next big thing. And, um, yeah, we, um, yeah, we had to work hard to, um, to keep it going and, and, um, keep people coming through the door. I mean, you know, you, you talk about that you, you, the ability to keep costs down and that it wasn't a way to get rich, but you could make it work. I mean, was there an element of, 
resentment that you were at this sort of peak of your career, you were super creative, you were highly respected, but you weren't able to make a lot of money? Um, no, I wouldn't say resentment. I, yeah, I, I, I have no regrets and I, I loved my career. Um, I never resented that I wasn't making um, a whole lot of money. I think maybe from the outside looking in, people thought um, that I was probably living uh, – quite a different lifestyle to what I was. People probably thought that I was way more successfully successful in a financial sense than, than I was. And yeah, cause I, you know, I had, I had a profile and um, yeah, I appeared in books and um, in the media and um, yeah, got a lot of recognition for my work. And I think people um, who sort of followed my work may have thought that I was, um, yeah, kind of set financially, but um, that wasn't the case. And um yeah, by that stage, I was sort of in my late 30s and, um, yeah, the nature of the business meant that I um, I didn't have a set income. Um, one week uh, I might make a reasonable amount, the next me- me- week I might make um, half that amount. So, yeah, there was always just that uncertainty of not having a regular income. Um, and then obviously things like, you know, super and, um, yeah, holiday pay and all of those sort of things. Um, which I now am the beneficiary of as a firefighter. Um, yeah, I never had any of that kind of um, financial stability. So, yeah, it was um, yeah, it was pretty loose, but I did enjoy it. Um, but again, uh, yeah, I was sort of in my late thirties, and um, yeah, wanting to um, have a bit more financial security. So, yeah. Well, and you'd started a family by then, of course, as well. Yeah, two young children. Um, yeah, wanting to be a you know. Um, set myself up in Melbourne and, um, you know, be a homeowner or um, all those sorts of things, which, um, yeah, were financially challenging for me running the dessert evenings for sure. And so it's how, what was the thought process? You know, you're doing that. It's, it's um, satisfying in some ways, challenging in others. How do you, how do you go from that to thinking about um, becoming a firefighter? Yeah, it's quite <laughs> Yeah, it's quite a change, isn't it? Look, I um, yeah, I knew for a while that I I wanted to transition out of hospitality for good. Um, I just didn't know what um, I wanted to do beyond that. Um, and obviously, I had the challenge of also still needing to create an income and provide for my family. Um, and so, yeah, it took me a few years to sort of work out what might work for me. I I did a lot of soul searching. I kind of um, thought a lot about um, what had made me successful as a pastry chef and some of the skills that I had from hospitality that might cross over to other um, other professions. And I sort of thought, um, yeah, I, um, I love working in a team. Um, um, I love um, working on my feet and being physically fit and active. Um, uh, I love uh, uh, pressure, so I do like performing under pressure. Um, so those were sort of the things that first started me uh, started me on that journey towards becoming a firefighter. Um, I thought, yeah, those skills of working in a team um, would, would serve me well. Um, so I started to look into it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I started the journey in, I think, February 2018. I, um, I did some serious research. Um, Unfortunately, that year I'd missed the, the cutoff date for application, so I had to wait um, another year until February 2019, and that's when I um, put in my application. Um, 
and the recruitment process to become a firefighter is it's it's really full on. Um, it was just under a year of going through various tests. Um, so yeah, I finally got the job offer in December of 2019. So um, yeah, it was it was an intense process getting in, um, but it sort of said, again suited my personality. I've always been a hard worker and um, I've, I left no stone unturned um, in that process and that sort of helped me um, get across the line and um, beat, I guess, the other candidates that also applied that year. Oh, wow. So it's not only that, that you have to prove yourself, it's very competitive. It's really competitive. So from my understanding, the year that I applied, there was about um, 6,000 people applying for 120 spots. Whoa, yeah. that is full on. So, I mean, I'm imagining some kind of, I don't know, like uh, I, I'm just thinking of those, I can't even think of their names because I don't watch them, but those reality shows where people are like crawling through the mud and over ropes. I mean, I'm imagining stuff like that. Like what was it like? Um, yeah, so, yeah, there was, there was, there was multiple um, tests throughout the, throughout the year. Um, they varied from the initial one was an aptitude test, Um which was really hard and I really had to study for that. It was a, kind of a unique um, set of skills that you needed to, to pass that test. Uh, mechanical reasoning, again, I hadn't come from an industry um, where mechanical reasoning was, was part of my day-to-day, um, so I really had to study for that. Um, I had to go back over um, over my maths, my high school maths, um, visual recognition, yeah, a whole bunch of really, really um, uh, difficult questions to answer in a, in a time sensitive environment. So, um, yeah, it was like, I think it was like a two hour test. Um, you literally had to just fly through question. Each question, you didn't have time to, um, work things out. Um, so that was sort of the first process. Um, and then after that, um, there was a, um, there was a psych test, which you had to pass. Um, there was a um, test where they looked at your social skills and your ability to talk um, to an audience and work with a team. Um, and then obviously the physical aptitude test, which is quite um, quite involved um, at the um, at Femtech, which is the training centre out in Craigieburn. Um, and then uh, if you get beyond all of those points, which are all, um, yeah, they're all hurdles in their own right and, yeah, a lot of people sort of drop by the wayside. Um, the final test is a formal interview um, and having to l- deliver a whole lot of information on the day in a sort of pretty stressful, um, nerve-wracking situation was, uh, yeah, it was, again, uh, a challenge for me and I um, sort of left no stone unturned and prepared for that and a lot of time and energy into um, polishing my delivery and just being ready for um, the big day. So, yeah, that was uh, the final hurdle to um, becoming a firefighter. And while you were going through this recruitment process, you were still doing the dessert evenings? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So throughout the whole process, the challenge was to obviously still keep um, generating an income um, as a pastry chef as well, yeah. So I was sort of fitting everything in around still doing the dessert evenings. At that stage, I was doing them at Terra Twilight um, on Johnson Street in Conwood, yeah, which is an awesome, awesome spot. Um, We had a lot of success there. It was great. Um, so yeah, I was just sort of ticking over, just um, yeah, not looking to um, yeah. It was kind of a challenging time because uh, yeah, I wasn't looking to um, build um, 
my career as a pastry chef anymore. I was just looking to just sort of tick over um, to buy myself the time to um, to get into the fire, get into the fire brigade. And how did you feel when you found out that you'd got through? I felt really happy. Yeah, I felt really, really happy. Um, yeah, just that sense of satisfaction of like, yeah, when you put in a lot of effort into something and you actually get rewarded and life actually um, rewards you for all of your hard work, that felt really, really nice. Um, and it also just felt like, um, yeah, it was quite emotional for me, yeah, like, um, yeah, saying goodbye to hospitality because I knew deep down that um, once I got into the fire brigade that I would I would leave hospitality for good. I wouldn't sort of return to it. So it was an emotional time, yeah, reflecting on um, all those years spent in the kitchens and all the people I'd worked with and, um, yeah, all the great times I'd had. Um, but, yeah, also being um, at peace with the fact that I was, I was leaving that career behind and that, um, yeah, I was starting something new and exciting and challenging, yeah. And what's it like being a firefighter? I love it, yeah. Look, it's been, yeah, it's uh, obviously, yeah, just a completely different world. Um and not a world that I knew that much about before I got in. Um, yeah, it's hard to explain. It's, uh, uh, it's yeah, it's a really unique workplace because we we essentially live with each other um, when we're on station. So it's this blend of um, a workplace plus sort of a share house. Um, yeah, you're cooking together. Food is a big part of station life, which um, which I really enjoy. Um, so cooking together and eating together is a big part of um, being on station. Um, and so obviously, yeah, my skills as a pastry chef do um, translate well to that part of, of the job. Um, and a big part of being a firefighter is, um, yeah, being a team player and getting on with um, the people that you work with and, um, yeah, being a, a um, yeah, team member and enjoying um, station life and the relationships that you have on station. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a great, it's a great job. I love it. It's, I mean, as a first responder, you must, you know, encounter some pretty, I don't know, devastating, difficult, you see people at really stressful points in their own lives. Is it, is it quite a, I mean, obviously you did have to go through a psychological evaluation to you know, approve your fitness for dealing with those kinds of things. But I imagine that that does throw up some, some real challenges. It does. And FRV, um, my employer, the, the, the um, Fire Rescue Victoria, um, they are, um, I think those pretty much lead the way in terms of um, talking about mental health um, and managing your mental health. I mean, what's it been like for you as a person? I mean, I know that, you, you know, you've been really into yoga over the years and thought a lot about, you've been quite intentional about, about I guess, you know, how you live. I mean, what's it been like for you in that sense? I, I love the job. I love how meaningful the job is. Um, I love uh, the difference that I'm able to make as a firefighter. Um, and... Yeah, I love uh, that side of, of the job and feeling that I'm making a difference, um, making a positive difference in the world um, with what I'm able to do, I guess, as a firefighter. So, it's, yeah, it feels very fulfilling. It feels very fulfilling. And what place does food – I mean, you talked about the importance of food in the station, but, I mean, how do you sort of reflect on the place of food in your life? Um, 
for me now, food is yeah. I guess I I, I, I eat much more simply than I than I used to. Um, food's still a big part of my life. Um, yeah, like I said, uh, planning meals um, on station, um, shopping for meals on station. We go to the markets quite often, and cooking together is a big part of station life because we are yeah we're together on station for. 10 hours um, on day shift and for 14 hours on our night shift. So we eat lunch together and we eat dinner together. Um, so, yeah, food is still a big part of what I do um, and I really enjoy it, yeah. I really enjoy um, being in the kitchen with, with the firefighters and, um, yeah, cooking together and eating together. So it's interesting how, yeah, food is kind of – remained relevant, I guess, in this new career, which is not something I had, um, I hadn't really thought about it. I didn't, I wasn't fully aware of how, how much, um, of a sort of bonding activity that was in the fire brigade. There's heaps of chefs that, uh, sorry, heaps of firefighters that love cooking. Um, I work with a firefighter who's just bought a, um, he's just bought a, um, sous vide machine. So he's experimenting with slow cooking, um, uh, there's a bunch of fireys that are um, making sourdough bread. That's all started from one firefighter passing on his sour sourdough to all the others. Um, so there's all those sorts of cool little stories in the fire brigade as well, which I find pretty um, pretty exciting. What are some of the meals that you've cooked recently for this for the station, or what have you cooked together with the, with the other fireys? What have we done recently? Um, we we had a raclette night um, not too long ago. Um, one of the firefighters I. One of the firefighters that I work with, um, his wife is French, and um, she's got a friend I think who works for Calendar Cheese. So she had a bunch of raclette cheese. So he bought in, um, he bought in that, and we did um, a full raclette night, which was really fun. Um, one of the firefighters I worked with, he's also a, he's an ex chef. He um, he made an amazing ramen not too long ago. Um, where he sort of made, yeah, he made the stock over like three days, um, clarified it, and um, yeah, that was an amazing meal that we had. Um, one of the firefighters that I worked with is a, um, he's a boiler maker by trade, so he's got amazing welding skills, and he he built an amazing um, sort of American barbecue that we've used for like slow cooked beef brisket and. Um, that sort of thing. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of good food on station, um, and the portions are pretty big. That's something I've had to get used to. It's it sounds so different to hospitality in terms of like the rhythm of the rhythm of the day. You've got this this job where you, a lot of it is about being on standby for something that might be about to happen. Whereas in hospitality, you've sort of got this flow that you, is a bit more predictable. Absolutely, yeah. I always found um, yeah in in kitchens there there is definitely a rhythm to the day. Um, but I always found like that, yeah, in, in top kitchens, there's always like an intense pressure throughout the day to meet all these sort of micro deadlines, to be ready for lunch service, pack down, be ready for dinner service. So it was like a, an intense um, pressure that was just always there to keep keep moving forward and making sure that you had everything ready for the next service, for the next service. Um, whereas, um, yeah, being a firefighter, it's um, – yeah, there's, there's some downtime and you just never know when you will be um, in a stressful situation. Um, so, yeah, it's a very different it's a very different sort of rhythm to the day. Um, 
what I love about it too is that when you are in a stressful situation, there's just a lot of support. You're part of a team. Um, there's a lot of people around you and you're all working together to achieve a um, positive outcome. So, yeah, you never feel like you're carrying everything on your shoulders, which I really enjoy. Um, and, yeah, there's just a camaraderie uh, in the fire brigade that's hard to, it's hard to explain. Um, it's not something I've really felt elsewhere. Um, yeah, the way that you're sort of brought up into the team and supported um, is, yeah, it's pretty special. And I really enjoy that side of the job as well. Is there an incident that you can tell us about that's, I don't know, been, you felt really proud of the work that you've done or it's been really, I don't know, something spectacular has happened? Um, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess without going into too much detail, yeah, uh, uh, there was a fire in a, in a Chinese restaurant on Little Burke Street. Um, it was a kitchen fire um, and that was sort of my first proper fire that only happened uh, a couple of months ago. Um, and that was just like, yeah, for me, yeah, it was an intense, intense situation to finally um, be inside a building fighting a fire with um, other firefighters. It's something that you train for, um, but you don't ever fully know what it's going to be like until, until you experience it. And that was a job that, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was amazing just to see how everything worked and how many people on the fire ground were um, doing their job and um, looking out for you. And um, things just seem to happen and things just are there when you need them. And, yeah, there's so many people um being really proactive and using their initiative and, and their experience to make sure that you're in a situation that um, you're able to do your job. Um, so, yeah, that was a pretty fulfilling moment. And, yeah, to come out of that job, um, yeah, having put out a fire, um, no one was hurt. Um, yeah, that was pretty exciting, pretty exciting. Wow. And was it, you know, the training kicked in? To a degree, yes. Um, but, again, like um, – I'm a junior firefighter, so like, yeah, there's huge similarities with um, with kitchen culture in the sense of, um, yeah, it's, there's a strong focus on hierarchy, and uh, yeah, I'm very much a junior firefighter, so I'm like a commie chef in a kitchen. Um, I'm not expected to know everything, and I'm not put in situations where um, I'm in over my head. There's always the support of more seasoned, experienced firefighters around me, um, which I, I really enjoy that aspect of the job, the way that you're kind of brought up um, in the group and, and sort of they take you under their wing and they, they pass on um, all of their knowledge and experience and they're there to support you, which is, yeah, a beautiful part of the, of the job. And how different is it, you know, the, the financial stability? Yeah, it's amazing. Look, um, yeah, the, the, the conditions for a, uh, an FRV firefighter are, are really good. Um, um, the hours of work, I think, are really, really good. Um, yeah, you know, just to be... You know, to be paid overtime, to be paid holiday pay, um, to have an employer that's actually paying your super. You know, I've worked for many, many restaurants that never paid the super that they should have. Um, you know, I used to work 38, you know, I used to work 80 hours and get paid for 38. Um, I've worked in hotels where we used to clock off at three in the afternoon and then continue working until 11 at night. Um, which again, like no regrets. I, at the time I loved it. I loved the work that I was doing. Um, but yeah, now to work for an employer that, um, pays me for every hour that I work and, um, yeah, there's really, really good, good conditions. 
um, I really enjoy that aspect of the job too, the job security, um, yeah, the wages, holiday pay, stuff that, yeah, so many people would take for granted, but coming from hospitality and particularly maybe from my generation, um, they weren't um, they weren't necessarily always the norm when I was working in Australia. Yeah. So, yeah, there is something that I, I really craved around just the job security and a good a good decent income to build a the life that I'd like to build. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I'm sure, you know, there's some people that will be nodding their heads along to that thinking, yep, you know, I've missed out on my super, I've worked over the hours. And other people will probably be thinking, well, hang on, it's things have changed a bit. There's a lot more compliance these days and people are certainly not obliged to stay in a job where the pain conditions aren't right. I mean, do you think that you left hospitality at a time where perhaps things were improving, at least for some people? I guess from my perspective, I'm sort of on the outside looking in as well because um, for the last 10 years in hospital, I was sort of doing my own little thing and I didn't have that much to do with um, the hospitality industry. Um, so I've sort of, yeah, I've been following that closely as well, just, you know, the stories of um, different chefs um, being accused of different things and, um, yeah, people going into bat for young chefs that have been underpaid and all that sort of thing. So I followed that closely. I think that's, that's a great thing. Um, but I guess, yeah, because I haven't been um, in the industry for quite some time, I'm not sure what the reality actually looks like anymore. Yeah. Mm. I hope that change comes, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think I think in some ways, some ways it is, and in some ways, there's still um, you know a lot further to go. What would you say to to other people working in hospitality now who are perhaps wondering, you know, if it's the right place for them? You know, it feels like it takes a lot of courage, and obviously for you, it took a lot of research and time to transition. I mean, yeah, what sort of how can you reflect on that and perhaps offer advice to other people? Yeah, look, I mean, yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's it's definitely a brave move, changing um, changing careers. If I can do it, anyone can do it. I mean, I did it in my mid forties with uh, um, with two kids to support, and uh, yeah, what from the outside looking in would would have been like a pretty successful career. Um, had a lot of respect from the people that I worked with, so yeah, I was kind of seen, I guess, as someone who's been successful in the in the industry. Um, so for me to 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 move on from that and um, get into something completely different um, in my life situation means that I reckon anyone can do it if that's what they want. Um, yeah, it, it felt right to me. Um, I guess everyone's got to got to know themselves whether they want to um, stay in the industry and whether they can see a future for themselves. I guess for me, yeah, I never took that next step of like becoming a you know a an operator or a business owner um, as such. So I was always in the kitchen. Um, so I never transitioned out of um, the kitchen as such. And I think, yeah, you sort of want to have a plan as you move into your late 30s, 40s to maybe not be um, standing in the kitchen for all those hours and all of those nights. And that's not something that I, I had in place. So, yeah, for me, um, this was just a yeah, natural transition out of hospitality um but yeah i, I yeah I, I would i would certainly um advise chefs to yeah just have a think about their future and have a have a plan of where they'd like to be so they don't get caught out um 
yeah, coming into their families and wondering how they're going to yeah, provide for their families or, or live a lifestyle that is sustainable for them, yeah. How do you think about desserts now? Um, I don't think about desserts that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, the desserts that I think about are the ones that I um, make it on station. Um, uh, when I make an apple crumble at work, I just make a classic really good there's nothing extra. I don't bring in any of. I mean, I obviously bring in my my knowledge and experience as a pastry chef, but I don't. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't change it in any way. I just make a good classic apple crumble, or when I make a bread and butter pudding, or a caramel slice, or a brownie, I just make a really, really good example of that um, without. Um, yeah, without any. Uh, experimentation with uh, flavor or anything like that. I just enjoy doing simple um, simple things that I know um, the firefighters on station will appreciate. You don't, you don't reckon if you, uh, you put an apple crumble in a tube and pass it around the station that um, people would get into it? Oh, look, a couple of the fireys have discovered my Instagram page and um, <laughs> I've started asking what these tubes are and um, they've seen different videos of things that I've done in the past. Um, well, I mean, what do you think when you look back at your Instagram? Do you feel nostalgic? Do you feel disconnected? Do you, I mean, do you feel proud? What what sort of feelings do you have? Uh, yeah, I feel I feel proud um, of my career. I feel grateful. Um, uh, I feel like that part of me that I've that I've moved on for that from that part of me. I don't feel like a, um, a yearning to continue expressing like a creativity in desserts or um yeah i feel I, I probably feel a little bit disconnected from it yeah but i do feel proud and grateful of, of that part of my life but um it does well and truly feel like i've moved on to something else now and that there's no sort of um yeah there's there's no desire to to dabble back in in, in that part of um my career, I guess. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's really interesting. And what about that, the, your creativity? Because, I mean, you, you're so creative. Have you used that in different ways? I've yet to discover what the next outlet will be. Um, writing is something that I'm, I'm drawn to. Um, I'd like to start writing a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, right now I'm just enjoying um, I'm just enjoying life, yeah. But I, I do, yeah. People do ask me that where, where my next, or where that creative outlet is now in my life. Um, yeah, I'm yet to have an answer, answer for that. But I do think that writing is something that I'd like to start doing more and more of. Um, mm, exciting. Yeah. Well, watch this face. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pierre, it's um, it's it's so great to hear your story. I feel like you know. You are a loss to the world of pastry and, and cuisine, but it's um it's impossible to begrudge you this next stage of your life because it's yeah clearly what you needed to do and you know it was right for you. It 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 does make me reflect on the industry that wasn't able to support you and hang on to you, um and yeah I just also feel feel happy for you, uh and. And really grateful, you know, like firefighting is such important work. We really rely on um, on people that do that job. And, yeah, so 
I'm glad that you were able to get through the recruitment and yeah, perform that role for the community. Uh, very mixed feelings, but I'm definitely glad to, to talk to you as always and hear your story. Yeah, look, I'm sure there's, yeah, there's probably a lot of chefs that I've worked with in the past that would, um, yeah, that would sort of be blown away that I've, I've moved on. Um, because some of the chefs that I worked with in the UK that thought so highly of me as a person and as a pastry chef um, and sort of saw me at, the, I guess, the peak of, of my career and, yeah, had a lot of respect for, for my abilities. Um, I often, not often, but I do sometimes think what they what they would think because, um, yeah, I, I don't think they could have ever imagined that I would not always be um, Pierre the pastry chef. Yeah. If they're listening to this podcast, they'll uh, they'll be reflecting on that now, I guess. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be super proud of you, and that you know the personal qualities that they admired in you. Uh, you know, they'll still say, just I guess you're just using them in a different way. Um, but yeah, it is it is really interesting. But thank you so much for sharing your story with um, with the Dirty Linen crowd today, Pierre. Um, I'm sure it's going to give a lot of people food for thought. Thank you. Thanks. Um, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. No worries. Um, Yeah, see you out there in a fire truck one day. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.